0: everyone good afternoon and welcome to another episode of everyday black history happy monday out there to everyone i hope you are having a great start to your week and hopefully your weekend was a restful or fulfilling weekend in whatever kind of way and um hopefully this week will be a great week this is february 7th seven days into black history month and um six weeks into the year of 2022 hopefully this year is still being kind to people and if it isn't then hopefully it'll get better but today on everyday black history we're gonna look at a man who's probably not known to most people i mean he wasn't a you know famous person he wasn't a entertainer of any kind but he um was an industrial designer he was a speaker he was an educator and he led the design in over 750 consumer products that we still use today while working for different design firms one of them being uh, sears this man's name is charles harrison or as most people affectionately called him chuck harrison and as mentioned he was an industrial designer and he was known for his pioneering role as one of the first black industrial designers of the era and the first to lead a design department of a major corporation that being uh, the sears corporation Um, he uh, started there in the early 60s as a designer and became a manager of the company's entire design group and some of the uh, products that he led in the design of Um, was the portable hairdryer, toasters, stereos, lawnmowers, sewing machines, craftsman power tools, which any mechanic or carpenter or any tradesman knows about craftsman's tools, Um, the see-through measuring cup, fondue pots, stoves, and their first plastic trash can. Those are just uh, some of the the most well-known things that he Uh, led the the redesign or the design on while working for the 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 many design firms that he worked for throughout his his uh, working career Um, his his most famous achievement was leading the team that updated the Viewmaster in 1958 now the Viewmaster was a popular toy uh, back in the days especially like you know during the I mean it was debuted in the 1930s um, he redesigned it in the 1950s, but it was a popular toy um, back, you know, decades ago. Uh, it's considered the Stone Age version of the virtual reality viewer, or like Oculus. You think of Oculus today, this was like the Stone Age version of that. So the toy allowed users to look at photographs in, three, in 3D. Um, there were a couple of inventors, as I mentioned, who invented it. Um, it, was the, it debuted in the World's Fair um it became a specialty item used mainly by photographers but it was also a toy that was popular with kids and that was because of uh chuck he made it more adaptable for children to enjoy and it was in um, pretty much many households um it was found in almost every u.s household and households throughout the world um but yeah let's get into a little bit of background information on him and um so he was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, September 23rd, 1931. Um, his dad, uh, Charles Harrison Sr., was a uh, teacher of, uh, of the industrial arts at the Southern University in Louisiana. And um, the family moved to Texas in 1936, where his dad was a professor at the HBCU Prairie View A&M University. Um they uh his his love for design and for building came from the fact that both his 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 father and his grandfather were both carpenters and you know he credited his interest and ability to design and design based off their influence he watched them build things so of course when you're a child and you see that it's going to spark your interest and see how you yourself can design your own things The family moved to phoenix arizona in 1945 where his dad began to teach shop at a uh, black high school from which uh, Charles ended up graduating in in the late 40s, 1948. He attended some other schools briefly um, before that time, the City College of San Francisco, uh, George Washington Carver High School, which was an all black school. The school closed when integration became law in the 1950s and is now a museum and cultural center celebrating the contributions of black Americans. And in fact, Charles Harrison's work there's even a room in the museum that's dedicated to his work specifically. But um, after high school, he attended the School of Arts Institute of Chicago from 1949 to 1954 where he received his bachelor's. And one of the one of the professors that he, that he studied under was a man by the name of Henry P. Glass. And he was a high-profile industrial designer himself who, um, who took Harrison under his wing. He was his mentor. Um, he uh, gave him the opportunity to visit his studios and to see his work firsthand. And like I said, he became a mentor to him. Um, they grew very close over the years. and He was one of his biggest supporters um, throughout the course of his career. Um, he even met his future wife while he was studying at the School of Art Institute in Chicago. He uh, returned later on to, uh, re- for his, his postgraduate studies, transferring to the Illinois Institute of Technology to complete his master's in art education, in which he received his, um, his master's degree in, um, in 1963. Now, between the times of his undergraduate and graduate degrees, he spent time in the Army, and he came home and still had to navigate the segregated system of the United States. Like any black man and woman who, uh, were living during those times, they, especially during those times, it was much more open. It, w- it was hard to, to navigate that. And it didn't matter how educated you were, how many degrees you had, how skilled you were, finding employment, you know, was very hard for black men and women. And, and that proved no different for, for Charles Harrison. Um... After a while, he was able to uh, develop a a lifetime career once he made his way through all that. But he saw many challenges trying to live and pursue a professional career as a black man in America. Um, He began to look for work at design firms. He interviewed at Sears, but it was told that he couldn't be hired because he was black. But the hiring manager liked his work. And so he began to feed him freelance work over the years from Sears on the side. But Henry Glass, who was his mentor, was actually the one who gave him his first job with a design firm, and he put him to work on furniture designs. Hey, he, he, uh, Harrison credits uh, uh, Henry Glass with teaching him great, a great deal about detail, drawing, and production, as well as the business elements of the trade, such as client client relations, which is important. So over the next, you know, several years. Uh, Chuck worked for a few different firms. Ed, Ed Klein and Associates was one, and another one was the Robert Pardell Associates firm. And it was there that he led the team in updating the popular Viewmaster that we talked about earlier. Um, he was put in charge of the of the redesign in 1958, and he made it lighter, more durable, and much easier to use. That it was easy enough for a child to use. Now, Char- now Chuck had dysle- was dyslexic, so. That was uh, making designs simple was the hallmark of his work. He wanted to make it so that anybody could pick up the toy or whatever it is that he was designing and use it without having to read instructions. So after his work um, with the Viewmaster, redesigning it, and then it took off and became, you know, a popular novelty item for years. After that, that's when uh, Sears called him again. And and his old contact, the guy who used to feed him freelance work, contacted him again. And Sears was ready to offer him a job now. And this was in 1961. So it was at this time that he became the first black American executive that was ever hired at the company's Chicago headquarters. He stayed to to work with Sears until his retirement over 30 years later. But um, as we talked about earlier... Um, he, he said that one of his favorite designs that he created was the plastic garbage can. Now, you know, years ago garbage cans were made of of aluminum and they were loud so when you know the garbage man would come by and, and, and pick up the pick up the garbage, it was a lot of noise. So the plastic garbage can actually it, it is it it is said and he's credited with actually changing the sound of trash day with the plastic garbage can because now it's not as loud. But um, he made the the design um, uh, very, you know, strong and durable. Uh, He limited it to to texture. Um, He enhanced the shape of the product, which allowed it to, uh, which made it easier for shipping. It didn't occupy a lot of space and it could be shipped in a small vehicle. It didn't require a lot of warehouse space. The lid and the handle um were, were molded together. You see these plastic garbage cans, the, 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 the lid of the garbage can that kinda kinda connects to the rim and the handle. You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it to you. But that was his design. And it made it easier, uh it, it reduced the cost all around. It, it, it reduced the cost for producing it. It reduced the cost for the, the end consumer. And even to to store the, the garbage cans, it was cheaper. Because you can fit more into a warehouse space. So whenever he designed things, he designed things where it can benefit everyone. He designed things where it can benefit the end user. Where it can benefit the the the, the, the company that was producing it. You know, So that's why he was so... Um, His work was well sought after and why he was so popular and worked his way up to the top while working at Sears. He always said that his dream was to connect with a manufacturer or company that could produce a product for public consumption with little consideration for profit margin, but to give the customer the best that they could have in that design. So he he developed products for the severely disabled um, who needed low cost products. Um, and made it where they can live more independently, more independently. He saw the need for all those things, and the need was there, and he was able to to design things to fulfill those needs. Um, And even after he retired from Sears, after 30 years of working and designing things and, and, uh, you know, doing his best to make life easier for those uh, that he had in mind, for the things he was designing, he taught part-time at the University of Illinois Chicago, at the school of the art institute of chicago and at columbia college chicago and he made a point to mentor students of color so he paid it forward And you know, even though the people he looked up to like henry henry glass wasn't wasn't you know black but he made it a point as a black man to mentor students of color to pay it forward so that just like his grandfather and his father who influenced him in arbitrary to become a builder, he can do the same thing for his students in um, those colleges that he taught after he retired. He was awarded many different designs in honorary doctorate from the School of the Arts Institute of Chicago. He was awarded the Lifetime Achievement National Design Award by, by uh, the National Design Museum, the Smithsonian Institution, and um, uh, Cooper Hewitt. He was the first black man, uh, he was the first black person at all to receive uh, this a- accolade. Um, he was awarded many, many, many d- designs throughout his career. And, you know, he died at the age of 87, November 29, 2018. So he lived a long life, you know, he, and he fulfilled a lot in that life and accomplished a lot. And, you know, many, many may wonder, oh, you, know, you know, why, why him? You know, because he, like I mentioned in the beginning, he's not famous. He's not, you know, well known to people outside of who he worked with, I'm sure. But, you know, it's people like him who, who influenced and make their mark on so many, so many lives. Just think about it. After he retired, he taught. He taught students in three different colleges. So think about how many, and, and he mentored students of color. So think about how many lives he affected, how many lives he changed. So it's like, you know, it's people like him. You know, like we, we remember our favorite teachers, especially our favorite teachers who were black. If you were fortunate enough to have a black teacher, man or woman, doesn't matter. You, you And they were a good teacher. You always remember them. You always remember the influence they had on your life. And usually black teachers are the best when it comes to black students and, and nurturing their talents and mentoring them. And, you know, Charles, you know, Chuck, as he was affectionately known, was no different. You know, men like him, you know, men and, our, you know, black, you know, men and women teachers, they do a lot to help us grow as children and as young, you know, young teenagers. So we wanted to highlight him because of it, because of his work and also because of how he no doubt positively affected, you know, young, young lives so uh charles chuck harrison we thank you for your contribution to black history black culture and we salute you um, as mentioned um, in the beginning hopefully you all will enjoy the rest of your week throughout the week we'll be dropping a couple of um, a couple of, of, of more episodes just to continue to celebrate the month of black history um so just look forward to those all right and uh, we'll be coming at you soon so stay tuned for the next episode Thank <music> you.